Hey, friends. It's good to see you again. I'm Brian. And I'm Joe. Let's, Let's start, start the show. Okay. Here we are. There's a fair amount of um, background noise, but we're on a road trip, so... And, yeah, like, my tires aren't, like, highway tires. You know, oh. they're, like, they're okay on the highway, but it's, you drive a lot of dirt roads kind of tires. So you can hear them, like... Yeah, and I'm thinking, sure that's there. And I'm thinking it's not the best that I have this strapped down. Oh, you can unstrap it. But I'm just for you know, just for I'd like to try to do things as easy as possible, just to see if we can get them done. <clears throat> because I noticed that, and I think we talked a little bit about on, on our uh, last episode was like we tend to get bogged down, you know. And so what I like to do is I'll notice, okay, well, I, I have a tendency that tendency is to get bogged down. So what can I do in between me getting bogged down that would make things easier for those times that I am bogged down? So like if I'm thinking, oh man, I got to set up lights and I got to set up sound and I got to put makeup on or get dressed up for a podcast or whatever we're doing or a show or something like that. Well, all that is like, oh man, that's a, that's a ton of things in a row that I got to do and keep track of. But then if I'm like, well, if we're just going to strap a thing to your truck and get some levels real quick and then just go somewhere and talk, that's so many fewer steps. And right. I just, you know, so I, I like to try to get a couple of those up my sleeve. Like un, unbogging. Yeah. And that's and, that's and, definitely a word. Unbog. So when you're in the bog, I'm trying to like make bog shoes. Hmm. Bog boots. What is a bog? Is it like a swamp? I'm Picture think- a bog being like a swamp. I'm so think- like you're getting swamped down. Yeah. I'm thinking it's like a never-ending story. Yep. Where the, you. where the horse was like getting bogged down in the swamp of something. That's probably exactly where the phrase came from. Maybe. Yeah. From wasn't that the, I mean, wasn't that the saddest part of that movie? Where that where the oh, horse yeah. like I was like yeah. I was like they're not letting this horse die, right? Like this this movie's for kids. Right, because like the rest of the movie isn't very realistic. Yeah. That part right there. Oof. You're like there. You, you come out of like the I'm watching a movie phase, and you're like, how did they record this? Because that horse is literally dying right now. Yeah, that horse. That's a real horse. That's a real horse. That's really dying. Unlike Falcor, the dragon, who is obviously a muppet. Right. So when he when something happened to him, I was like, oh no, the muppet guy. But yeah, he'll be fine. But it's just a muppet. Just a muppet. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, so we'll see how this sounds. I'm looking at the levels, um, we're staying in the green so far, that's good. And uh, if we get anything usable, then we'll have some bonus material at least. Right, like we could, uh, I mean essentially the plan is right now, like we're on our way to Haver, and on the way back from Haver we'll pull out like the, the board, yep. and the microphones, and the headphones, and we'll, we'll record. But I've noticed um, the best time for us to, to do a bonus episode would be like Saturday. Okay. So we could like just do this is a bonus drop for Saturday. The only other part is like we're gonna have to add in the short little intro, which isn't a big deal. I can get that done pretty easy. Okay. Uh, yeah, we don't have any sound effects. You know? Yeah, no sound effects here. I mean, I mean, if I was thinking ahead, you know, I probably have like a little handheld tambourine. You know, I, I have like little instruments that kind of like an old timey radio show. <laughs> 
right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe I could even do it again. Have yeah. one of those pieces of thin um, foil or whatever it was, that would, and then I would shake it and it would sound like thunder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, a cowbell. Yes. That would, that would work well in the vehicle. Now, if we had, like, a little kit, then we had all those little in, in, instruments, like, in a little bag with this little recorder, mm-hmm. and we're like, hey, let's go do one of these things real quick. Bam, it's in the bag. We grab, we go, and then we have, like, little funny... Then you just put the intro on. Bam. Done. Done. And, and the intro is, like... Is it even that important at this stage? I mean, it's going right. to it's going to be so great and so polished and amazing. But right now, I right listen now, to yeah. it, and I'm just happy that I feel nothing when I hear it. I just go, you know, that sounds like a guitar. That sounds like my voice. Yep. I have no notes. <laughs> yep. I think it. Uh, yeah, I think the intro definitely it works for now. Yep. It could work indefinitely. Like there's there's no. We've had intros that there were some some problems. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, especially waiting a minute and eight seconds in silence as it played. My goodness, right? It's the, So that's the thing that gets us uh, this word again, bogged down. When I'm trying to record stuff, you know, it's like, that's the weird thing about uh, being a live musician that just goes in there, plugs in your amp, turns it up till it sounds okay, and then you get a groove going. When you're recording something, as you see, I mean, you've seen it too now as someone who records things and movies and little uh, skits and things like that. Just a, a half second too long of silence is everything. And background noise that's just a little bit too uh, too noisy ruins everything, you know. And it's like, gosh, it's it. If you don't know, if you don't know how to have like a really smooth workflow, I feel like that's the thing that discourages people from getting into the studio part of it. I, that's what stopped me from getting into the studio recording aspect of being a musician for so long. It's just all the little, what? Why does that sound like that? And then once you get everything fixed and you have everything perfect and you understand everything, one of your little cheap wires goes bad. Right. And you don't know what that is until like for a month. <laughs> right. And I've heard people mention like along the lines of like ghosts in the system, you know, so you do get everything straight. The next week you go in to record, and all you got to do now, because you got all the things figured out, is just like, bloop, and it should be ready to go, yep. and it, something will have been messed up. Yep. And yeah, and so it could be just like a little microphone wire, or something's a little loose somewhere, or you know whatever it happens to be, and it's, it gets all messed up. We ran into that at the, the church all the time, and none of that equipment moves around, like it just stays right there. And then week to week you can have little ghosts in the system that, that mess it up yeah I would read story after story you know about um, studio um, people studio engineers that would <clears throat> say the same thing you know they would they would say over and over again like you've got to push record and make sure you're recording even while you're warming up because that guitarist or that drummer or whatever might do the thing that sounds so sweet and perfect and you will never be able to get them to do it the same way and have it sound the same ever again it's just there's something about that first take and i've and i heard that over and over again i was like come on guys really i mean we're talking about like genius musicians like they can they can do the same thing again right and then no I've, i'm experiencing it myself i can't even do the same thing you know twice in a row and it's right. the thing that i just did yeah yes yeah. um I wonder how that semi sounded. It yeah. had a little bit of jake break going on. And then it shook the truck. There's a lot of wind. We coming up to the high line, like 
I used to live on on the High Line way over in Glasgow, but yeah. it's just synonymous for wind down here. There's literally a tumbleweed right there. Yep. Like, like coming after us. And all of the fence along the, the road here just has tumbleweeds in it. Yep. <clears throat> Wide open spaces. We just, I don't know if we're supposed to give people updates, we just passed a little place called Portage. Uh, it's the last, like, kind of official inside the county of Cascade. We, we're still in the county of Cascade, I think, right now. But why don't we tell them where we're going and why we didn't record that part? So I was I was worried that we'd want to do that for the official podcast. Oh, uh, gotcha. And, and like, this is just like, we're so just we don't talking. want to repeat everything. Okay. But we just can say, yeah, uh, there's an ammo shortage all over the nation. Huh. And I am going on a hunt tomorrow. And I need 300 wind mag ammunition. And the only place I could find it within driving distance uh, was Haver, Montana. You know my dad, um, who's kind of into guns now, um, he went out shooting, and, but like, years ago he told me that he decided to go for a certain style of gun and a certain style of round because it was the least popular. And because of these things with shortages, he was like, I just I keep buying them up and I just, you know, I'm just betting on, I'm betting on, you know, because every magazine you read is going to say, well... Let's say the 300 mag is the, like you said, uh, you mentioned they call it the, the Montana round. The Montana round. So yeah. like, you probably read that or heard that from someplace really prominent, and you trust that source. And like so many other people probably read that exact same thing, and so they all want that, you know. And so my dad is like, well, why don't I just find out something that works and is good, but is just unpopular for whatever reason, and I'll make whatever concessions needed to uh, make it make it really good for me. So lots of people did your dad's route. Uh -huh. Oh no, everyone's and, doing that. And went to what's called a 6.5 Creedmoor. They call it a 6.5 Creedmoor. Okay. And it was it was five years ago. Nobody knew what this round was. Oh, gotcha. And now I could have bought that round in town uh -huh. because it's so popular. The 300 Win Mag is popular, but what it's not popular enough. Here's the problem. Uh huh. The manufacturers can't get enough supplies in. Yeah. They started doing, most manuf ammo manufacturers, uh, we'll say Federal is a, a manufacturer of ammunition. Federal started going into three shifts, so three to eight, eight, eight hour shifts a day, when the shortage first started, so that's 24 hours a day, making ammo. So then they started running out of supplies, so they went back down to two shifts because they didn't have enough to keep three shifts busy. Uh -huh. And so right now, the only ammo that they're spending time making is the most popularist ammo. So your dad's theory works if they don't have this big of a problem. But once the problem gets big enough, then they go, okay, we're only making the ammo that will get bought. And so uh, if you remember from the military, there's uh, 762. Yeah. There, I can buy 762. I can buy 30 out 6 because that's the most common hunting round. I've heard of this round. 22, which is a little plinker rifle, like a beginner rifle. Yep. You can't hunt with it, maybe gophers or something, rodents. But mainly it's just like a target shooting. You get it for kids kind of gun. Yep. You can get 22, you can get. Uh, and so the only ammo that you can find right now is the most popular stuff. And I, I stopped in. Uh, you and I talked on the phone earlier. I said, hey, I got another phone call. Anyway, I stopped at a little gun shop that's in Great Falls and talked to him. And 
yeah, all of this was confirmed through him. Uh, ammo, the, the ammo that I shoot, there's a box back back there. You're not going to see it. It's like in the door. It's called Hornady. Oh. And you can't, you can't get it. Uh, but I would pay like $35 for 20 rounds. Gosh. Okay. Right now, if that ammo came in, it would be almost $90. Oh, my. For that same box. Almost three to four times as much as you would normally pay is what you're paying for ammo. So these, I'm going to get two boxes of ammo right now. We're driving almost two hours. An uh, hour and 30 minutes one way. So you got to add the gas and the time, right? Right. Okay. But this box of ammo is, I think, $52 a box. Oh, that's good. It is, but it's not my ammo. Oh. And so I also have to zero my rifle because it's not the same ammo. And also, my, my rifle is off. I told you that when we weren't recording. My, my rifle's off for some reason now. So even if I could find the same ammo, I'd still have to waste six to ten bullets to get it back to zeroed. Dang it. I have, a, I have just like this, this perfect storm of stuff that just happened in the last day and a half. Yeah, because it's not like you would, <clears throat> you just like would drive so far to, to get ammo just <clears throat> on a whim. It's also because you've got like this guaranteed elk hunt tomorrow on private land. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so like an elk, elk is like the equivalent if you shoot one elk. First of all, I feel the meat tastes better. I do love elk. Oh, yeah. it's so good. Yeah. Um, and if I get an elk, I'm definitely going to get you some, some elk meat. But yes. uh, one elk is, is, depending on the size of the elk and also the size of the deer, but you kind of have to get about two and a half to three deer to equal one elk. Oh, gotcha. There's a very small chance I could actually get two cow elk tomorrow. So it's like getting six deer. At least five. It's like getting at least five deer. Whoa. Uh, if, if that happens, I'm going to actually, the next problem I'm going to have is I'm going to run out of freezer space. So I will be giving lots of meat away. Uh, I can possibly add. even trying to find a cheap freezer from somebody. I can help you there. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I can definitely help you out. Yeah, I have my wife. She uh, turned on like the Facebook marketplace notifications for freezers. Oh. <laughs> so that if nice. somebody posts one, uh -huh. we're like right on that. We gotta get it. Right on that. We're coming up on the town of Carter, Montana. Oh yeah. Uh, this is. I have actually this land right here is state land, but I have permission this land which is not state land. I have all this memorized. You can't just tell by looking at it. I, I can because I have it all memorized. Uh-huh. And so like you see this cell phone tower up here? Yep. From there and then there's a river called the Teton River. I have like 20,000 acres of land I can hunt right here. Whoa. Uh, from somebody through uh, Toastmasters actually. Jeez. They live, well I'll, I'll point out their house when we, when we go by. Do they live in Carter? They live in Carter. No way. Yeah. I had some friends that lived in Carter. Actually, uh, when I was playing music with Jolson, Jolson and uh, my friend Sean lived with Jolson's dad in Carter. So I would go out there to practice, and we were like uh, recording a lot of my first album out there. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Yeah, and so we probably, between the two of us, now that you know one person and I know one person, we probably know the entire town of Carter. At least half the town, you know? <laughs> Yeah, because like, yeah, you can see the whole town right now. Or we are connected to the entire town, mm -hmm. definitely. Like, oh, you know so-and-so? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this is just... Whatever, what are we growing out here? Wheat or this something? This is wheat here, yeah. 
It's just endless football fields of rolling wheat that's been nicely shaved because we're in the harvest season of some sort. I don't, I don't keep track, but I, the people that are my friends always tell me, oh, I would, but I've got to do this other thing and drive a semi for my friend because it's harvest season and whatever. And I'd say, okay, that's neat. So I'm, I'm, I'm basically aware of harvest season, even though I don't keep track. That's what happens when you're in Montana. <clears throat> you're aware of agriculture, even yeah. if you don't participate. And we'll see. I know that they have, because I hunt on this land, I know that they have some that's in what they call winter wheat. Yeah. And so the stuff that's cut down right now is summer wheat. Okay. Winter wheat just means it grows during winter. Um, it's, it's able to withstand some colder temperatures, maybe a frost. Uh-huh. Uh, that, that summer wheat can't withstand. I think winter wheat has a little bit lower caliber once you harvest it. Okay. Uh, so winter wheat went in around the time they, they harvested or cut the summer wheat. And this is this is their house right here. I'm not allowed to hunt over there. Oh. Anything on that side of the highway I can hunt. And that looks like a nice little homestead. Mm-hmm. With, uh, what do you call that line of trees? A shelter belt? Shelter belt. Bam. I'm chewing on a, a Snickers right now, so. It's okay. Yeah, these are all, they call this like hedgerows. Hedgerows. That sounds like a good last name. <laughs> this is my friend Martin Hedgerows, the third. And yeah, the hedgerows are to protect from wind. And that's why they have the, yeah, the shelter belt around the house there. Yeah, erosion, wind. Because, like you said, yeah, this is this area is known for being one of the windiest in the United States. Right. And um, on days even like today, you get semis that, that topple oh, over because there's yeah. so much. Uh, the, the wind right now is blowing left to right across the road. Yeah. And a semi, like, they have so much more surface area. <coughs> so have you noticed by looking at the levels, does it really affect when I turn my head? And I'm facing like the wrong way. It really affects it. Um, a bit. What I'm going to do is, um, in another couple minutes, I'm going to unstrap this thing and just kind of hold it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I'll try to, you know, so I'll make note when I do that, so we can listen back and go, did that improve background noise? How did that feel? Um, and then I have one other microphone. That's actually so. This is an XY microphone. The, the microphone that I'll try next, and I guess I'll have to. This will be a, a second bonus episode. Because um, I'll have to turn. Or we can even stitch them together too. Yeah, I guess we could. Yeah. Um, so it's more of an area thing. So it's going to get ev everything. So it's something like if you're going to do some uh, movie type of stuff, and you wanted to go out and get like, like uh, the babbling brook sounds with the with the wind, and you wanted all that stuff. Well, it gets like that 3D picks up everything. So I'm thinking, let's try that because then it might be getting both of us in that 360. Um, so, access so I, I I watched this. Uh, Really cinemagraphic, cinema, cinema, really awesome. <laughs> super nice looking movie. Super nice looking video, okay. hunting video okay. for a moose. Oh, okay. Uh, over in Maine. They're hunting moose in Maine. It's one of the, the most, like it's like a, like a movie. It was like 40 minutes long. And they, they uh, I noticed that the sound quality when they were like loading stuff into the, the truck. Oh, oh excuse me, in the bed, yeah. the bed of the truck. I was like, man, they. I thought of this microphone, right? Because I'm yeah. like, they had to have had something in the bed of the truck. There's no way like a lapel mic or anything was picking up 
And it just sounded so crisp. Yeah. You could really hear everything being set down and picked up in zippers and all of that. They, did, they just did a, a fantastic job. And so I, I thought of you. I'm like, Joe might want to watch this hunting video just to hear like how well they did the sound on this. You know what's weird about that is, um, yeah, I, I've just because I kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm into music, what I've really gotten into is microphones. You know, I, I just, I find myself watching um, um, review after review after demo after demo of all of these different types of microphones and what they're used for and who would use them on what sort of project. And so I, I've noticed that I've amassed this huge amount of knowledge on this and, I, and, I, and I'm like, am I... Am I more of a sound guy? Do I just like microphones? Is that where my... So I'm just... I'm trying to notice that. You know, it's it's weird. Um, and this is going to segue into something I, I just heard the other day. Because I was thinking about this question of... Uh, you ever asked yourself, who, who, like, who who am I? Like, oh, all the time. Who, who am I? And, yeah. And, and so I was reading this article. And uh, the article said, a better way to think about that question. Because the, if you think about it in a way that's like, who am I? Well, in my mind, what my brain does is I start to like configure this person that I would like to look like, or I, I have these ideas of all the things that I want to be and do and achieve and self-acclamation, self-acclamation. Mm-hmm. You know, when you become your, your greatest self? Yeah. Okay. I myrtleized that word. Um, <laughs> so, but instead of doing that, so because that creates something for you to then measure up to. Right, and so every day you've got this one sort of version of yourself that you're like, well, I'm not measuring up today, so today's a bad. Well, today I feel like I'm measuring up, so today's a good day. Um, instead of doing that, don't ask yourself, well, who am I? Ask yourself, how do I want to experience life? What do I want? Like, what do I want my every day to kind of feel like? What do I want to be doing? How do I want to engage with people? with nature, with just outside and everything. Like, how do I want to experience this? And um, that kind of got me thinking. Uh, because back way when I was starting music, I had this idea of who I wanted to be. You know, I was like, well, I was in the military at the time, or, or not too long out of the military, so still kind of clean cut and very sharp edges and short haircut and all this stuff. Clean, shaven face. Um, and, and I thought, well, if I'm going to be a musician, I have this idea of myself, like I better grow out my hair, I better start wearing sandals, I better start wearing looser, lighter colored jeans with maybe a rip or two in them, and grow out my beard a little bit to look a little bit, I want to give people what they expect, right? you know, and, and so that had a certain amount of success to it, sure, you know, there's, I, if, you, if you show up looking the part, you're going to find a lot of success, but I feel like that put these blinders on me so that I was only kind of trying to um, live up to this weird kind of almost it's a stereotypical ideal of what I thought I should be like instead of just moving forward in a direction and being open to to my experiences do I like this experience or do I not like this experience do I like this you know and how's this going to work because at the very end of my my hey I want to be this long-haired uh, musician I didn't like where I ended up. You know, I ended up thinking, well, I don't want to play cover bar, cover 
you know, cover songs with backing tracks and in large college bars and, and kind of do that six nights a week. And I just, I, I, I was in a place where I was kind of ignoring the things and experiences that I didn't like. And I just was attributing that to like, well, that's just another obstacle I got to overcome to become this um, self-actualized version of myself. Yes, I got it. Self-actualized is what I was trying to... <laughs> Dang, that, that's a hard one. Anyways, and so that's what I've been kind of uh, meditating on the last couple days. And so and so it's interesting, you know, like I, I'm not a guitar... I thought I was a guitar guy, you know, like I, I love my guitar. I, I think about guitars, I, I, but I don't pick up guitar magazines anymore and read and, and find out more about them and, and, and want to buy the next one. Like I... I literally have the one that I hope I die with. Like, I don't want another one, it's fine. And I don't have a, a need to get another one. You know, I, I don't have this love of them. I've found, I've found the tool that does exactly the thing I want the tool to do, and now there's no more passion there. There's no more need to search and find. And so, but with microphones, uh, you know, just as an example, they're fun. Like, I, there's so much to learn, and there's so much cool history. Like, you know, like, we wouldn't have... Um, we wouldn't have crooner music. We wouldn't. We wouldn't be able to have music where a singer could sing quietly, if it wasn't for microphones. And that didn't start happening. We wouldn't even have that that style of music if it wasn't for those first microphones that they were making back in the whatever 30s, 40s, 50s. And so here I am, you know, doing a podcast and trying to. Fi- and this is fun to me to like just do these little experiments to, and then listen back and go, hmm, did that work out the way that the reviews said it would work out? Or, you know, what did I find? And maybe I can go onto one of these little um, review sites and tell people my experience and help them along with their purchasing decisions. I don't know, whatever. Right. If you, if you could somehow find someone that wanted to only record podcasts from a moving vehicle, you would be, after after our trip today, you're going to be one of the experts on that subject matter. Right. Right. Or And, and I'll say, hey, I'm using this piece of equipment that's pretty popular. A lot of people own it. Um, here's how it worked for me. Right. You here's know. how we set it up. Here's how we did this. This is what we noticed worked. This is what we noticed didn't work. I, I There was a guy that, uh, I think I told you this story one time, but there was this guy that came in and tried to help us with the sound at the church one time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he's known, actually, and I'm sorry, like, you, you probably know the guy, but you could tell me all the names of the guys that sound similar to this guy, and I still wouldn't remember what his name was. It's Matt Jones. I cannot remember. So, it's his, um, his name, I guess. His name's Matt Jones. It's what? Matt Johnson. And you, so you know that for some Whoa, maybe. Okay, like so... I, I just know that he is the guy, and if he was helping at a church, I'm nearly 99% and, sure. And so, like, like, he also has helped, like, when they want to uh, do, like, these big events, and... Yep, his uncle or the like Johnson brothers. live streaming somebody in and all of this, and he... There's a house as you're leaving town that, that he lives in as, like, a triangle not sure where he lives at because okay. I've never been there but yeah I'm, it's probably Matt Johnson and he he had gotten injured one time Ooh. like when he was younger and kind of walks with a limp now maybe yeah yeah okay well, I don't anyway, know that story about him but yeah like, like he, he so he came in just as like a favor we didn't pay him but normally you would pay him to do what he did oh yeah and and so for you like as you continue to, to figure out who you are being interested in microphones and sound there's a lot of people that need someone that know the things. Oh, yeah. And so what I noticed with this guy, you're saying Johnson? Yep, Matt Johnson. Yep. He actually, like, he knew 
I'm not trying to be insulting, but he, he knew a, a little about a lot. Oh, yeah. He wasn't like the subject matter expert on any one thing he was talking to us about, but he everything that we wanted to talk about, he knew enough to help out. And so if there was somebody that that could then uh-huh. dive into just the microphones, uh-huh. he could use that person even, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and so I just think like, yeah, you could... You could even just make you could make a business around the state of Montana, where you just helped people with sound problems, and you call every church and in every venue that you know has has any kind of event at it, and be like, I'm going to come in, and for a thousand dollars, you won't have to touch anything. Yep, like, it'll all sound good. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a, a, a list of things you can buy to make it sound better. I'll make whatever you have right now sound good. When you get said new things, I get one free trip to help you set it up, or you know something like that, and and you could really like make a difference um, all across the state. But I, uh, along those notes, like I, I think about the same thing, especially now as I'm kind of job searching and figuring out. Like I'm asking that question a lot. Like who am yeah. I? What do I want to do? I know like the answer always for me ends up like I really enjoy us podcasting. Yep. And so whenever I do, <laughs> I want to make sure it doesn't stop us from podcasting because I really enjoy it. Okay, so at this for, point... For later, you 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 are now moving it. Yeah, so I'm going to move it <clears throat> and just kind of hold on to it and kind of cut the distance between us and see if that um, helps with the background noise and then see if it helps with the, uh, the uh, just the clarity of our voices. See if we Maybe. can make this work. Yeah, I'll try to keep an eye on the levels as we talk. Okay. Yeah. So, so anyway, yeah, I think it's important for everybody to ask, who am I? But then, like, yeah. who do I want to be? Yeah. All, it's almost how I always answer the question anyway. I don't know if very many of us are, are super honest with who we actually are. Yeah, because that, that person, I mean, that person that we are, hopefully, will change a lot. I mean, to, to, you should have your core values, you know, that don't change. Right. Um, but that person, I mean, with new information and new experiences, you grow, you gain character. Like, hopefully this person that you are is going to change a lot. And so I was thinking about, you know, think about the person that you wanted to be when you were 18. You know, you had all these ideas of who you wanted to be. And an 18-year-old Brian is doesn't have the, doesn't have the, just even the experience or information that that 39-year-old Brian has. So 39-year-old Brian and an 18-year-old Brian, if they both did a report on who I would really like to be, it might be a completely different person and for completely different reasons. Well, and and surprisingly, like, I think I have a lot of those answers in my head. Like, I knew at 18 that I... I think it had to do with, with kind of how I was raised, but I knew that I wanted to be a good dad. Yeah. And so a lot of my decisions, like came out of that like what I you know what jobs I went after what wife I pursued or any of those things came out of wanting to be a good dad but then beyond that like I wanted to be good looking you know I wanted to have six pack abs yeah I wanted to you know there were different things that like now yeah I mean I still like looks play a part in things and you kind of judge how you look I'm getting kind of yeah. like the old man neck going on now yeah you but know? isn't that weird though that you you probably know people that are shaped like pears that are just the happy as can be and, and don't don't really and, and wouldn't change a thing about themselves. Right. You know what I mean? Right. 
and so I, you know, and I, I can't, I don't feel good when I, I put on a few extra pounds. Like I physically am just, I don't like it. But I wonder about that, you know, like, isn't it all that important? Maybe for my body type, it is important because I'm prone to high blood pressure and all that kind of stuff. Um, but if I wasn't, you know, like, would that be such an important thing? Like, my, you know, my wife, she said she'd love me uh, no matter what I look like. And so I'm going to hold her to that. I was going to say, do you believe that? I mean, I'm going to test it this year. <laughs> I'm just going to see how big I can get. I'm just kidding. <laughs> there's, a, there's a fisherman that I follow on YouTube. His, uh, his name's Aaron Weep, but his channel's called Uncut Angling. Yeah. And I just watched, he doesn't, he's kind of going through, you can tell he's kind of going through a thing in life. And so he used to put out like three, four videos a, a month. Okay. Um, it was one of the most popular fishing shows on YouTube. Uh -huh. And uh, and then, you know, the last year or two, like, he went through this kind of, like, ah, I'm not going to post a video, but maybe twice a year. Oh, boy. So, anyway, one of his videos came out last week, and I got super excited. But I, I, I think he has, I'll have to share the video with you, but he has stripes cut into his his uh, cheek facial hair. Oh, uh-huh. That are, like, I think he did it on purpose, too, to match. Uh, there's a fish called a perch. Okay. And so he wanted... It's a kind of matchup perch uh -huh. on his cheeks. I think you should try that to see if she still sticks around just by having like something super cheesy yeah. with your facial hair. Well, the thing that really puts the, puts the test is uh, just growing it out as long as I can. Because I had it pretty long for a little bit. <clears throat> and she hung in there. She was, <laughs> she told me afterwards, I think. She'll tell me like maybe right before I've decided, you know, to, to shave it off. She'll say something like, oh, thank God. <laughs> but before that, oh, nothing. She's supportive of it. She's like, oh, I, I think you're attractive no matter what. So my wife's completely opposite. Yeah. Uh, the longer my facial hair gets, the more she loves me. Whoa. Uh, the shorter it is, the quicker she wants me to start growing it out. And so, like, when I decided I was, you know, a year and a half ago, and I was like, all right, I'm going to lose a bunch of weight. I'm going to, you know, change some things. I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I shaved all of my facial hair off because when you have like a, a majestic beard going on and a lot of facial hair, yeah. it hides the chubbiness. Yeah. And so I was like, if I shave, I will be forced to every morning <laughs> look at my chubbiness yep. and be faced with it. Yep. Uh, but she was really happy a couple weeks later because my facial hair doesn't grow in fast. But a couple weeks later, as it started to grow back in, she's like, yeah, this is much, much better. I don't like you. You know, I'm not attracted to whatever that is. Yeah, whatever that is, I don't like. You should hide it. <laughs> but have you ever uh, asked yourself that question? Like, what if your your wife? Um, I don't want to. Like, I, I think I'm gonna. I would be okay if my wife like put on a bunch of weight or something. But have you ever like? I, I feel that I would love my wife no matter what. That's the feeling I have right now because she is uh, the same age as me. She's attractive. Yep. She's physically fit, she's yep. intelligent, she yep. can speak, she can walk. Yep. But what if she lost the ability to do one or more of those things? Was yep. it a severe car accident and then now I, the, the woman that I, I love and am and, and physically attracted to, I now have to like change her diaper three times a day. Yeah. What, I, I really admire people that stick through that with yep. a boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse. Yeah, that's actually why. Significant other. That's why Melanie and I got married. She had a, she had like a kind of a major or minor or whatever, like it was a major surgery. And we were just dating 
and she needed someone to um, help her out. And I was like, okay, I will help you out in this time of need. And um, it, it brought us closer together. You know, I think it, it kind of teaches, it does, it teaches you something about yourself. You know, when you're going through that and you're making food for someone or helping them up or, you know, getting them to the bathroom or whatever your task would be, um, you, you have to wait and see. You don't, how, how would you know? You know what how you're going to react to that you hope that you're going to react with you know grace because that's what you would want you know you're like well if i was, if the tables were turned i would hope i would just hope that someone would be super nice to me and do this and then in that once you get you know past that you it's not something you think about you're more attracted then to maybe how you connect on an emotional intellectual level at that point well and i think uh the the love that i'm talking about of the my wife is is the consumption love uh-huh. like what what she's giving to me in the relationship as far as like you know attractiveness yeah. ability to, to communicate and have great conversation and what she how she takes care of the children all those things are, are things I gain uh-huh. but I think there's another aspect to love when it goes much deeper it's about what can you give uh-huh. And so then that becomes like a really big test of like how much can you give to this thing that you love even if it's not giving anything back. Yep, such is life. This uh, this area we're in now is a key point for Lewis and Clark. Uh, this is uh, Loma. And it's where the Teton River up here dumps into the Missouri River over there. And at the time when they were coming up the Missouri River to see if they could find a, a path to the Pacific Ocean. This was a decision point for them. I think they even might even call it like decision point or something. Huh. Uh, they didn't know which river was the main river, oh. right? Because there's no maps, yeah. right? And so they're trying to figure out by looking at where these two points converge on the Missouri River that we know now, the Missouri River and the Teton. Uh, they didn't know which one was the Missouri, which one was the Teton, and so uh, I don't I don't know which partner, but one of them, Lewis or Clark, went up the Teton, and one of them went up the Missouri at this point here. Oh, and it's called uh, it's called Loma. This is if I if I were to ever like get a million dollars and I could buy like some land, yeah. it would be probably near here. There's really really great fishing. There's really great hunting for birds and, and game, and uh, you're not so far away. I don't know how long we've been driving now, 45 minutes maybe. Uh, you could get into Great Falls pretty easy. Oh, Marias, I was saying the Teton the whole time. It's the Marias River, my bad. The Marias River. Marias River, and then the one of the best restaurants in Montana. I've heard of this place. Is Ma's Loma Cafe, and there's Paws on the right, this pink building right here. Uh-huh. This is Paws uh, Gas Place. I don't know. Paws Loma Mart. And then Ma's Loma Cafe is right across the highway here on the left. Bam. And if we play our cards right, what we should do is when we're leaving Haver... Oh, it's closed. Mm. Shucks. What I was going to do is call them uh-huh. and have some burgers ready uh-huh. for us when we came through. I've done that before. Where I call them in advance... They get stuff, and then you just have burgers to go on your way through town. It's fantastic. But one of my favorite spots to hunt is if we were to make a left right here. Um, is back back over there. Uh, I currently don't have any tags for over there now, so I, I only went over there once this year. No luck. 
and uh, these are the the kind of hills that we're in. Wow, that guy's passing on the right. Yeah, My bad. It. The hills that we're in right now are, are considered like breaks because once we get on the top here, it's all flat. Oh, gotcha. So these aren't like mountains. This is where the the ground's been dug out, and it looks like mountains. And there's a really popular place in, in Montana uh, called the Missouri River Breaks. And it's it's like that, but like three or four times bigger. Oh, gotcha. And as you're coming out, like it's literally like a, like upside down mountains. I don't know how to describe that for our listeners any better. But if you Google Missouri River Breaks, there's lots of elk over there. And yeah, see now it's all just flat. But you can see where the crevices go down over there. Yeah. Makes for great hunting. Cool. Um, now might be a good time if you wanted to switch the microphone around. Oh yeah, so might be a good time for that. Want to try that? We're at 40 minutes, and so we're gonna switch over to the second, uh, whatever the circular, circular mic. All right, and we're back. For those of you uh, still sticking with us for part two or side B of the cassette. Side B. Side B of bonus episode numero uno. It seemed like nothing. Like, we're just back right now, but for us, it was several hours. Yeah, I mean, we really had to (laughs) tear things down, set things up. Um, It was quite the the thing. Quite the ordeal. But now we have the globe-looking microphone. Yeah. Omnidirectional. Omnidirectional, yeah. Let's see how this sounds. I feel like... The, the wind noise sounds a little more natural. Like we're, 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 it sounds like we're riding in a truck together in Montana. Oh, and before it didn't. I mean, I don't know. It's just, <laughs> maybe it's going to sound more 3D or something. I don't know. Well, and, I th- and like I mentioned, when the mic wasn't plugged in, the wind has gotten a little bit stronger too. Oh, yeah. I'm kind of holding the wheel slightly to the left now, like against the wind. This is one of the major reasons I, I don't ride a motorcycle because, I mean, sure, on a great day, it, it looks fun to go out there on the, on the road, but then if you want to go on one of these one of these wind windswept roads, it'll just be pushed all over the place. Yeah. It was really scary. I don't know how, whenever I see, when I'm driving on a windy day and I see a motorcycle person, I'm like, jeez, you must have huevos of iron. Well, do you think, like, you want to just put that motorcycle in my van? Hop in? Yeah. Can I help you out a little bit, bro? Do you need a ride? Are you, like, trying to get away from some ne'er-do-wells? Like, are you forced to drive right now? <laughs> Every time you mention motorcycles, for me, it's just a whole bunch of nope. Like, like I just, yeah. I'm just like, nah. But I have failed to mention it. I had a moped at one point. Well, now you're talking. I was gifted a moped. And said moped would get up to, I could get it up to 55 miles an hour. It was a Vespa. Yeah. The, the you know, the retro looking, it was red. And at the time I was a little heavier, so I looked like an absolute circus bear. Awesome. Uh, that's what I, I literally called myself. I'm going to, you know, if I was going to ride the, the moped, I'd tell my wife, hey, I'm going to circus bear, you know, and, <laughs> and get on that thing. But it, for me, I was just trying to save a little gas money. And that yeah. thing only held like two gallons maybe one gallon of gas uh-huh. but i could go like a hundred miles yeah it, it was ridiculous and uh it ended up having a i don't know what kind of problem but 
I'm, I'm thinking like fuel line, something like that. I'd be riding along and then it would just all of a sudden stop running while I'm like in traffic. Oh boy. So I ended up giving it to somebody that was more of a, I'm, I'm zero motorhead. Okay. And, you know, this guy's more of a, like a level nine. I'm a level and nine like motorhead. You, you can have, you can have, it was given to me, so I gave it to, I passed it all. That's you know? cool. I love Vespas. I would ride one. I like, I like that they come from uh, such a masculine uh, culture, you know, the Italians. There's such a machismo nature to how they live their lives, and yet, like, their, their cool guy, get-around-town thing is what we would call as a not-so-manly right. sort of little yeah. mo- motor scooter. Right. We're like, oh, you're using your girlfriend's little, little <laughs> fun ride, are you? But over there, they're like, no, the tough guys. Yeah. Right, right, these things. The yep. cool guys, dude. Yeah, their their biker gangs are a bunch of um, manly-looking, clean-shaven Vespa riders. Wearing capris and boat shoes with no socks. Yep. yep. Those are the guys you don't want to get in a fight with in Italy. I won't. I know better. I shan't. I shan't not. <laughs> uh, so yeah. we've, we've gone through Loma. We're now looking to the east over here, our, our right. Those are the Bears Paw Mountains. Okay. Much of them are on, uh, I think it's the Crow Reservation. I'm not positive though. Okay. But that is an uh, Indian reservation. Actually, we might even be on some of it right now uh, as well. I feel like there's, there's, it's an odd number. I think it's either seven or nine Indian reservations in Montana. We have a ton. We do have quite a few, and Haber is an area where there's a lot, large, there's a large area, and I think there's two or three right up in this area, uh, Indian nice. reservations, which are, if you're from a state that doesn't have reservations on it, they're, they're a sovereign nation. Yeah. They are not underneath, there, there's still a few laws uh-huh. under the federal government, but they, they govern themselves. In Montana, the majority of them, uh, I, would, I would say on the vast majority, they're kind of looked down upon. Yeah, but I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, that's the center line. When you said uh, they govern themselves, right? They've got this little patch of land in the middle of the state and then also the federal, the, the United States. Yep. But they are their own people, they get to make their own laws. Yep. And police, except for the few little exceptions, do not get, get, have jurisdiction to come in and do anything. Yeah, poli- now, police now, can't. Now, how jealous, how, how jealous now are all these militia groups? You know right, what I mean? Right, right. right. Like, isn't that exactly what you want? Exactly. Like, hey, every, hey, federal government, we decided <clears throat> that we're going to have this, 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 these acres. We're going to do what we want on them, and you can't say nothing. Cool. And they're like, nah, sorry. <laughs> nope, not for you. Well, and we, we do have quite a bit of federal money that pours into the reservations, yeah. um, but they're not taxed. There's not money coming out of them, uh, really. Well, I believe they are taxed in a way. Oh, I, I, yeah, I think that they, I'm not. I'm not aware of. I'd ha- you know, I was reading something. Speaking out of turn. There was a, there there was a brouhaha uh, in, in in betwixt um, the politicians a few years ago and some but one of our politicians actually said something like hey you guys don't even pay taxes you 
reservation, so why don't you just stop trying to have any influence over what we're doing here? And I think his, the guy's retort was, well, we do we absolutely pay taxes. You know, oh. you, you, you may give us grants in this way, but then when we pay our people, ta- federal taxes are coming out of those paychecks. Gotcha. So yeah, in a way, that makes sense. That makes sense. they're just yeah. like every other citizen paying in, just like every... Yeah. Now, don't quote yeah. me on that. I think that was the argument, so... What I know, like, so we have, like, highways and interstates that run through these, and so, like, our highway patrol, they can still pull people over, they can still patrol in there, but their jurisdiction is, like, the pavement, right, the the paved area, and then if if something like a murder or kidnapping or rape or something like that happens, it's the FBI that gets involved, and so there's a lot of these small towns in Montana that have rather large... FBI agency offices in them because the FBI is going out for um, you know murders, rapes, burglaries, different things like that because then that becomes a federal a federal problem. And so it's not that they're completely lawless and they're you know this this whatever, but you you can like Browning is just uh, west of us here, probably another hour and a half from where we're at right now, and then over where I used to live in Vasco, there's uh, Wolf Point, yeah, and both of those, I've, I've been to both of those towns, both of them are very similar to, a, and this is going to sound like racist, I'm not trying to be racist at all, but very similar to third world countries. Yeah. Uh, you, you go in and I, I could I could take a picture of like an empty lot in Browning and then also in, in Guatemala, uh-huh. and without, as long as you couldn't see the people, you wouldn't know which, where that, that came from. And, uh, yeah, it's a super complicated um, problem because I was I would I was working with a couple projects that were trying to work with the uh, the different tribes, <clears throat> and we ran into that. <clears throat> so I would we would go visit, and you know you'd go to Browning and you'd see um, signs everywhere saying um, this there's no alcohol allowed for any event, any anything where people are going to gather and have fun. This is going to be a dry reservation. There will not, there will, we will outlaw alcohol for that day, up to and including high school graduations. Right. So on a high school grad, so to me, as an outsider, um, I, the, the first thing I'm like, wow, does, is, does everyone have a drinking problem? Is this a, what's going on here? And then I would get pushed back because, you know, that's not fair. Um, you know, you can't just say, well, you know, Native Americans uh, have a drinking problem. But then you talk to Native Americans, and they're like, "Well, yeah, uh, uh, because of our genes, historically speaking, we can't we can't really um, we can't use alcohol very well. Our bodies don't like it, and we, we we and so I'm like, so so what is the problem? Like I and, and as as someone who's not of their culture, <clears throat> someone who's of the culture that has um, put them in the place that they're in, had a hand in making whatever bad thing is happening to them." Um, what do I do? You know, all I can do is come in and see what I see. But this is a sovereign nation. I can't go in and say, "Well, everyone needs to do this now." They're, they're trying. They they don't know either. They're trying to. They, they wouldn't be on a reservation if it wasn't for us. They would be. Um, they would be wandering the plains, killing whatever buffalo they wanted to kill, and, and having um, having power over the way they live their lives. And now they don't. And right. so they're just. I don't know. It's it, it, like to try to understand it is, yeah, you better strap in and, and sound the school bell because you got a lot, to, I mean, and we all have a lot to learn, I swear. Right, well, and so that's usually where my brain goes. Similar to those, is like, I, I have never 
been born on and raised in a, a reservation. Yeah. And I have no idea what it's like to have this amazing history and culture uh, that they, they're still trying to hang on to, but yeah. being forced to stay on a reservation is next to impossible, especially all around the reservation prior to us coming up with the North American model for conservation for animals. We, we, we devastated the landscape and buffalo no longer freely roam, elk are pushed up into mountains and we didn't really give them very many mountains on the reservations. They, they get like, like the worst areas to, to have. We're like, well, well, we're never doing anything there. Let's give that to the natives. Right, right. And so now you're, you're several generations removed from that and they're, they're still trying to hang on to a culture. We are trying to pay reparations to great, great, great. That's my phone. Every, that, that's happened twice now. And I meant to mention something that I, I don't know why that ringtone only plays in my vehicle, but it only plays in my vehicle. And it's, it's geese. And my wife, I, the last message I sent my wife was, hey, can you give me a quick call? And I forgot to text her and say, uh, never mind, I'll call you, at, you know, later or whatever. Never mind. Call and so later. I knew she would be calling. The other one was a, a different guy. So I, I apologize for that. But anyway, so you have you have these generations. All of us are generations of removed trying to fix something that happened uh, 100 plus years ago. Yep. And it's very complicated, very complicated. Yeah. And so most of the time I just go, you know, I need to give as much forgiveness and grace that, that I can because I, I don't know what it's like to be them. And even saying them sounds sounds racist, you know. It sounds I, like I, you I, wish you could say something different, you know. Like, right, like, like it's not, I, I've had many Native that. American children in my home Yeah, yeah. Uh, through foster care. I, I, I love the Native American culture. I love all of the people. And I, I just... Yeah, ultimately wish the best and have no idea what I could do to, to, to help yeah. in any way. And I think any help I try to give only comes off as uh, arrogant, conceited, and, and better than, than you. And I don't want that either. So I think a lot of people feel similarly and I th- I end up just doing nothing. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think so many good people with plenty of time to give don't want to give because they don't want to... Um, they don't. They don't want to be like. Well, I'm the savior. I I am strong, and you are weak. And here, let me yeah. let, let me save you. Right. Let, let me do this for you because that's kind of how it. You can you can have a good heart and have good intentions and still go cause trauma. Yeah. You know, with with the best intentions. Oh like, yeah, it like, happens all the time. Like we did with the with the um, with the schools. You know, when we were trying to just like what we were trying to do. If you read the history books, well, whatever. Is uh, we were trying to make Native Americans part of our culture and so that was the intent and so we thought oh well let's let's shave their shave their head you know hair so they look more like us let's let's teach them about what it's like to be us and then in that way they can have success in their culture which I mean maybe sounds like pretty good if you don't have any context you know <laughs> that right. sounds like a pretty nice thing to do but then what we did is we treated them as the them as the lesser than yep. as that well if you don't if you can't understand this or don't want this, then you must be less than. And I can just treat you like a dog, right? You know? And I think that happens in not just not just for us, but you see it happen time and time again with other cultures and other countries. Um, but in the most recent history, it's white people telling colored people that they're less than. Yeah, you, you know? we are white and therefore closer to God, 
and you are dirty and colored and yeah. therefore not. And somehow we all were all like, yep, let's, yep, we're not going to do anything about that. Let's just keep the status quo. And because on the other hand, like I, I personally, I don't get white culture, you know, like if I, or any, like, let's say I'm Irish. I don't get Irish culture. Like it doesn't make that, that much sense to me because I'm not from Ireland, you right. know? What does make sense to me is Native American culture. They, they're all kind of naturalists. They observe the world around them as it is and, and react to it and, and honor it in a way. And, and that's, I'm really oversimplifying and, and, and being super basic, but um, when I think about how I would want to experience my life and what the type of, like, the type of, what do I want to be? I want to be a person who acknowledges where I'm at and lives in harmony with the nature of the place and the people around me, which sounds a lot more like Native American culture, you know? Yeah. And so, I don't under, like, I, I would love it if we could all change our minds and not think of Native Americans as this backwards culture, as as old, as out of sort, like, they don't, they don't have the technology that we have and we're so much better. Like, what if we flip that around? Because, I mean, we're all, I mean, many of us are, are going back to hunting and trying to use, you know, um, non-compound bows because we're trying to get back to this nature that we, as a, I think as an American culture, we feel separated from. And so when we see a person like the meat eater guy go out there and it just looks like he's living in tune with his surroundings and honoring them and using all the parts of the animal and having the knowledge and, and respecting his area, that to me this looks a lot like just how we were we, we wanted to stop everyone from living we wanted to stop Native Americans from living just like these guys now who are now millionaire white guys who have their own shows and can fly in private jets and they're doing the thing that Native Americans were doing like before we even got here before before we discovered yeah. <laughs> this yeah. land quote unquote discovered quote unquote. This land. yeah this well I mean you can't discover something where when people are already here doesn't make sense to me but I mean that's the, the, the type of thing where I'm just trying to take a step back and as a musician and as someone who's who's going to try to take a step back and, and, and go towards your inner hunter what we're trying to do is we're trying to take a step back from this rat race we, I don't we can't disengage completely you know we still got to drive on the roads we still got to go to the banks at right now because we don't have the skills to live by ourselves. we just don't I don't you know no, no. <laughs> I can't do it and so um and so what, I think what we're all trying to do is take that step or two back and, and just observe for a minute and go, wait a minute, how, how do I want to experience my everyday life? I thought I had an idea of who I was and what I wanted to be. Like right before you joined the military, you're like, you know, you were thinking about going to boot camp and you're thinking about going to war and you had this idea of yourself, you know, and you went and maybe you got close to that idea. Maybe you didn't, you know, what I mean? a lot of us. A lot of us more successful people we do we, we meet that and we're like yeah I got it but then how did you feel like well I kind of want to move on to something else this wasn't exactly what I thought it would be and so now here we are and um, we're, we're faced with these these tough problems and and they're right here I mean in Montana they are our neighbors like Native Americans live in our city they they teach in our schools they are our friends you know if we're lucky they play in our bands they go hunting with us, you know. They were our code talkers, you know, in World War, whatever it was. 
it, it's just the the amount the amount of good stuff, the amount of rich history that we have mixed up in this complicated problem. Where I mean, I think you might have touched on it. There is a lot of there is a lot of hatred between the whites and the Native Americans, and it does go both ways, right? In locally, right? And yeah. it's it's almost like if you've lived other places, like I lived in Southern California, or been stationed other places. It's just well, who do we hate here? Right. You know, oh here, oh we don't like the Mexicans here. We don't like anyone that speaks Spanish here. But up in Montana, we don't have a ton of Spanish people. So the people that we, it seems like. There seems like an overarching uh, feeling of negativity towards the whole culture. Right. Instead of trying to understand them and um, take responsibility for our role in their plight, we just say, "Oh, they are the they're over there. The them. We hope they figure it out one day. We'll pray for them." Right. And, and a lot of people like. I mean, again, you've already kind of hit on it, but like, uh, there there is an alcohol problem on the reservations at all, and most of the time. Uh, if you're not a Native American looking at a Native American, the first thing you think is someone living off of government money that has an alcohol problem. Right. You know, that's that's just what uh, is, is said and unsaid. And, I, you know, I can't imagine trying to assimilate into a culture that, that that's the first thing you have to overcome. Right. You know, when, when we started the podcast and I, I mentioned that I'm a pastor... You know, a lot of times I have to tell people, oh, I'm not that kind of pastor. You know, I have to, like, overcome this, like, um, you know, whatever whatever people may view that as. And it's the same, not the same thing at all. But it's, it's a similar thing that, that if you are of darker skin in Montana, you have to somehow let people know that you're not an alcoholic that's only living off of government money. And, you know, just like you, when you say I'm a musician, you have to yep. say, you know, I'm a... I'm a father yeah I make enough money to I pay all my bills you know yeah. like you have to tell people that and that's the thing that that anybody from the Native American culture has to overcome and it's it's frustrating yeah it is really frustrating we are driving through um, a town right now that one of the either governors or senators came from this is Sam Cooley oh yeah this is from uh and i just missed the sign there's a sign that says home of senator danes or something i can't remember who it was it's not tester i think tester's from i think it's john tester is from here he is a he is a nice guy <clears throat> i never met the other one but i met tester and he's just a good old he is a good old boy that looks like he's from here I yeah this yeah right here right yep. here in san Cooley. and now we're through san Cooley. we Bam. just went through the whole the whole town right there that's easy the next town is Box Elder, and I know for a fact that Box Elder's on the reservation. Yeah. So yeah, we went on this whole tangent of reservations, and we had no plan on doing that. But yeah, no, sorry, everybody. I mean, it's just when you're here, it's it's so topical, and we well, don't and we don't get to talk talk about it a lot, you know. Right. Well, you you feel that if you do talk about it, like we're not subject subject matter experts nope. by any means. All we're sharing with, especially since we have listeners from all over the United States, is like this is the Montana experience. This yeah. is this is part of what it is, and we we constantly kind of want to like anybody from Montana that's listening to us, like you 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 are aware, and and this is a conversation that that may happen every once in a while. Yeah. But outside of Montana, you may be this may all be brand new to you. And I wanted to share, Joe. I looked at uh, our map again. Uh-huh. We now have a listener. We have our first Canadian listener. Hey, thanks, Canada. We have our first Australian 
listener. Hey, thanks, mate. And our another area in Germany that is listening to us. Well. So we have Germany, Ireland, Austria, Australia, and Canada. So now we're in, what, how many was that that I listened to? We're in four or five other countries now. To include, we're getting close to all the states in the United States that, that, that listen to our podcast. Oh, that's cool. I wonder if it was my friend, uh, I met a couple of really nice Australian guys in, um, when I was living in, when I stayed in Dublin for a month in the hostel. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, what the heck would I know? But then, you know, like we were talking, we should get a little bit more um, active on our social media. So sharing, and I know these people are on my Facebook, maybe one of these times they'll go, oh, hey, Joe's podcast. So if you're listening and we stayed together in the Dublin um, hostel, what's up, guys? We should get together and do a little, I don't know, jam session again. I've been thinking about going back to either France or Dublin or whatever, just kind of meeting up with these guys. And it'll be a hoot. Hoot, hoot. Like the owls do. Take that, take that from the old ghost owl, they call me. <laughs> so, shout out to Dublin friends that Dub- might be in Australia right now. Yo. And you guys need to find Get After It on Facebook. And, yeah. uh, and we'll, at the very least, give you a shout out, another shout out. Yeah, oh yes, yeah. uh, leave a review. Leave like a, hey Joe, it's me. Um, you sound goofy as ever, ha ha ha, uh, or whatever. Like the my favorite compliment I got from those guys is, uh, you're you're like the, they'd say you're like the um, the least dumb goofy, um, not not goofy. I am goofy, but you're you're the most reasonable American we've ever met. <laughs> and I'm like, well, they're not all like me. <laughs> well, especially ones that are world travelers. Yeah. They usually have a little bit more money than you and I. Yeah. And maybe a little bit more hoity-toity, yeah. snooty-booty. A little more confident yeah. in our dealings with people. Not me. I like making friends. That was fun. I had some friends. There was a group of people from Italy, France, Australia, and... Oh, gosh. I want to say the Czech Republic, but that's not it. Ah, it'll come to me. Well, I have I have uh, an ex coworker that used to live in Australia. She's Australian, uh-huh. oh, so there's the one a really like chance her. for that. Yeah, that's that's Maybe right. Maybe she shared it. I, uh-huh. I don't know if she's listening. I don't know if a lot of my coworkers from Childbridge are listening. Hey, coworkers from Childbridge, that may or may not be listening, reach out and let us know because we're the curiosity's killing us. Yeah, we just want to know if you're keeping track, and if so. No, hey man, we'll give Childbridge a old shout out. Hey, hey, hey. Bam. Or not, if you if you just want to reach out and say, hey, yeah, I'm listening, but please don't say anything about it, okay? Hey, we'll do that too. Yeah, we'll do that too. We'll keep it secret. It's cool, man. We don't want people knowing knowing you listening. We can be your your closeted addiction. We're on your side. It's okay. We just want to feed your addictions. (laughs) I (laughs) briefly want to change the subject here. We're looking at cattle on the left. Uh-huh. And as we're talking about Montana things, yep. cattle outnumber humans. Yes. How many cows, within our view, do you think we've passed since we left Great Falls? Like, what would be your guess? There's no way either one of us are going to be right. Yeah, no, I would say just within my view, just casually looking, driving for about an hour, I'd say I'd saw about 300 cows. 
question. I was going to be closer to a thousand. And I don't. But yeah, you know, I like, don't know. Within I, my I view, you yeah. know. Because there's there's ten right, five right there, six. Yeah. yeah. There was forty, fifty back there. I didn't realize that the rest of the country doesn't have just tons and tons of cows. They yeah. Have just like one or two cows per farm. When I, I drove through Wisconsin, I've been through Wisconsin a couple times. Uh-huh. First of all, gorgeous. I think each. Oh yeah. United States state has like its own like little personality, right? Yes, you're right. And so Wisconsin is beautiful. We don't have a bunch of listeners in North Dakota, so I don't think I'm going to offend anybody there. Yeah. The Badlands, which is almost Montana anyway. Yeah. Gorgeous. Okay. The rest of North Dakota, like, what are you doing? It's garbage. Yeah, it's uh, lots of great fishing and bird hunting. Yep. But you wouldn't know that driving through because it's just like it's just like it is right here on the left side of the vehicle. That's North Dakota. Oh my gosh! It's, it's that. That reminds just, me just of a flat. That reminds me of a hat that I that I always joke that I want to buy when I'm in uh, South Dakota because I drive through um, and it's near the Badlands and there's um, there's hunting. There's a specific type of bird hunting there, and the type of bird that you would hunt. Another term for this bird is a cock. Okay. Okay. And then the type of um, the type of a- animal that you would bring with you is usually a dog, a hound, a hound. Yeah. And another term for a hound who was maybe a female. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so if you think of that that term, the hat would say, "There's nothing, no prettier sight than that type of dog with that." type of bird in its mouth mm. and that is sold just 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 any old place just just out the open at a gas station you yeah. want like a one that says route 66 or one that says that right next to each other and i'm like yeah. this is this is almost you can't just have this out <laughs> like i know that it's factually you should correct go behind a beaded, <laughs> a beaded doorway where's the beaded doorway that you get to that hat yeah so, I, I so really want to buy it now. I was mentioning Wisconsin uh-huh. because here, like, our cows mainly are, like, single color. Yep. Right? Like, like they're lots, 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 lots of black cows. Yep. Um, black and brown. have no idea the actual, like, like breed or name. No, me neither. Um, but they're that. Yep. Uh, you'll, you'll occasionally see, like, a tan, uh, brown, or white, but they're mainly... Predominantly, 98% of the cows you're going to see in Montana are single-color cows. Yeah. When you go to Wisconsin, you see those uh, white and black cows that, like, when everybody thinks of a cow, yeah. what they think of. The Chick-fil-A cow, yeah. right? Like, yeah. like, that's white and black. And they, it's almost like they specifically groom the cows that you can see from the road. Yeah. Because they are Gorgeous. It's like a postcard. Oh my goodness! Everywhere driving through Wisconsin was just like I need to take a I need to take a picture. I need yep. to take a picture. I need to take a picture. I need to take a picture because it was just gorgeous. But yes, most states are not like I had a friend from Ohio come and visit up in Montana. Ugh, Ohio's and beautiful. just driving like a little ways out of town, he was like, "Oh, there's a deer. Oh, there's a cow. Oh my goodness, there's this. Oh, there's this. There's this." Uh-huh. And it's like, "Oh, yeah, this is just what we see every day." Yeah. But not what you see every day in Ohio. 
no, I was driving through on the 90 or the 80, I can't remember which, and I was just, I, it just, I was struck with the scene. It might have even been at like sunset, and I'm like, why is it so beautiful around here? And I pulled over and I did like a little um, Google check or something like that, and it turns out that I was really, really close to like Notre Dame. You know, and I was like, oh yeah, of course, Notre Dame, that's Notre Dame. Notre Dame. That would be a beautiful spot if I know anything about the movie Rudy. You know, it looks all picturesque and beautiful. And sure enough, man, going over and you go through Wisconsin, beautiful. You go through uh, Minnesota, it has its own style of super dark, rich green. Oh, yeah. That no other yeah. state has. The other cool thing about Minnesota is um, wild rice. So they have like, you know, Minnesota's the land of 10,000 lakes, I okay. think is like their phrase. Yeah, okay. So some of these lakes are super shallow and they provide this opportunity just like uh, some of the areas in China oh. where you can grow rice in this very, very um, fertile water swamp bog. Okay. All right, bog. Maybe it's a bog. Uh, and, and the native Americans in Minnesota are the only ones allowed to grow and harvest the wild rice. And so they'll go out in, in canoes and kayaks and and what is that, like the reaper? What are the what is that the uh, scythe. What is that thing that death has? It's called a scythe. A scythe? Uh-huh. Oh. Alright. You can even call it a sickle. Sickle. Okay. That's that's the word I was thinking of. And they'll they'll take, you know, maybe machetes too, but they and they harvest it. Cool. The reason I know this so well is when, when I went to Minnesota one time, we stayed, well, actually twice, we've stayed with this family that uh, she had this wild rice soup that was like fresh wild rice that she bought from the Native Americans. Whoa. And um, it was, I don't like soup. Uh-huh. I would eat that wild rice soup three meals a day. It was, it was phenomenal. My wife just got the recipe. Um, and so we're gonna, I don't know how you find wild rice if you're not in Minnesota. If anybody's listening in Minnesota and you wanna send me, you know, five pounds of wild rice, I would be thankful. That'd be awesome. Uh, I like the way Minnesota really um, highlights their Native American culture. Mm-hmm. Like, like if you're driving through Minnesota and spent any time there, and we're flipping through the radio stations, there's more than one prominent Native American radio station where at any given Day, time of the day, you can flip to it and hear drums and just traditional singing. Oh, wow. And like while you're driving and you need a little like break from something and you're looking at the most beautiful dark green you've ever seen in your life at sunset, you're just like, okay, I, I get why people listen to this. It's like, it's so, I, so good. I know we're back on Native Americans again and we're not trying to pick on anybody, but there's a couple YouTube channels. Uh, that, that some Native Americans, I actually think from up in this area, up by Hadver, up on the Highline of Montana, uh-huh. where they'll do, uh, like just in a vehicle like we are right now, and they'll do cultural appropriate music in the vehicle. Yeah. And they're, uh, I can't even, I don't even want to mimic it right now because it would sound like I'm trying to like make fun of somebody because I can't do it well, but the, okay. the like almost like, like yelling that they do, that singing, I don't know what you call that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But their vocalizations, where they're like, yeah, they even do like rap versions where they put like oh, rap music with it. Really? Totally go down that YouTube bunny trail, yeah. Because it is there's some guys that are really good, and then sometimes they're not in the vehicle and they'll like do little dances with it as well. Uh-huh. 
So cool. So cool. And so, yeah, I would totally listen. I, uh, I'm going to sidetrack again, though. Uh-huh. And I'm going to go to Africa. Okay. And when I when I went to Africa, my, my whole purpose, the, the group I went with wanted me to go so I could be the videographer. Okay. Um, so that when they get back, they could then share this trip with everyone else. It was a, a you know three-week-long in Africa trip, and they wanted to be able to share with their, their congregation of friends like oh, the yeah. trip. And so I came along with camera equipment uh-huh. and a drone and, and different things. I did interviews with people and, and all of this, and came back and, and put together a couple different videos. And then actually it ended up, I just sent them megabytes, terabytes of, of video. But one of the, the African pastors over there, I said, hey, could I get all the music that you that you would normally listen to, can I get that like on a thumb drive? And he gave me like 400 African songs. Yeah. And 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 I some of it was kind of hard to listen to, especially when you don't know the words they're saying. Yeah. But some of it was absolutely gorgeous and beautiful and amazing. Uh-huh. And it's really hard to listen to that much music when uh-huh. it's not like what you're used to listening to. But I listened to maybe a hundred of the 300 songs he gave me to try to find some background, you know, some African background for the, the videos. Yeah. And it's just, I think that's one way to really, not understand, but but feel a culture. It's yeah. through their, their music styles. And their language and their music, yeah. That's cool. Which makes me depressed for the United States. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to hate on anybody that likes what they like, you know? Yeah. We, I, I like Rage Against the Machine too, just like the next guy. I like um, Katy Perry. I like all these people. They're great, but they sound like one thing. Yeah. You know, they just, they, they're made by a corporation and they know what's going to make money and they're just trying to sell a 11 year old girls and, and, and then we all, the rest of us like it or whatever. I don't know how actually how it works. But what they don't do is like, and what we have not had in years and years and years is, um, so groups broke up. There's no groups anymore. There's just a solo person because that, that it makes it easier for them to make money. Um, and you can fire a band member and pay them less, you know? Right. Um, but then you also, you can't get together and just like for two months or a month even, you can't rent a house and get together with your band and just every single day go, hey, how, how will this next song go? And let's tweak this and let's record that. And then to have a, a body of work that all goes together because we're all just trying to get one single to make us a million dollars and then get a commercial with Pepsi. Right. So we don't- and, and play at the Super Bowl. And unless you have some sort of thing where you've, you've figured out the algorithm, like um, recently the Korean pop, K-pop, you know, they've been making some inroads. I, I was really impressed. I was like, well, it's pop music, but and and uh, but it's in another language. It's in Korean. Yeah. And, and it is super popular. And I was like, okay, well, that, that to me says that there is a way to get through to us, to get through to your average American with another language and, and try to get them to feel something. And possibly the key isn't music. You know, we... We need to at least acknowledge what people like to hear and then kind of give it to them a little bit. But then can we also give them, expand their experience a little bit? So I think what you gain by listening, if you're trying to like, uh, if you 
listening to music to, to learn about a culture, what you gain from listening to American-based or, or, you know, North of, not North America, United States music is you gain consumerism. Like, that's the feeling you get for our culture, is yeah. that it's very consumeristic, it's very um, planned, one size fits all. And right now, I feel that that's actually in all the genres. Like, you can go to country, you can go to pop, you can go to rock, you can go to rap, they've all like melded into what I would consider like one genre of like one hit wonder blanket thing and then everything else on the album just kind of like branches into who they actually are but they have to have this one hit in order to, to get everybody to to listen to them and yep. so even like now like my least favorite music would be like mumble rap yeah you know we're like <laughs> you know yeah um, but even even that it's, it's a little bit different, but it's still the same thing that everybody's getting. And you run into that. I, I think that, that ties in with, like, the iPhone. Like, everybody's phone, we, we're trying to be uniquely different by having the same exact thing. Our, our social media ends up looking very similar. You know, I'm, I'm more in the hunting realm, and so you're going to see a lot of hunting pictures on my social media. Um, it looks just like any other hunter you would follow. Yep. Uh, musician, yours probably looks pretty similar. You're sharing music that you're doing and shows that you have going on. If you're a beautician, you're doing eyelashes and makeup tutorials. If, if you are a cop, you're sharing good things you're doing in the community. You know, like, you, we're, we're uniquely the same. Yep. Yep. Uh, Just like everyone and, and going it's the to same the same in our music. Everyone going to the same hot topic, so that we can all be counterculture punk artists. You know? <laughs> it's uh, yeah, we've we've figured out the formula on how to make money, no matter what it is. Even the anarchists have their own corporate structure. Right. Right. <laughs> and so, but I have hope. I, I think that um, that the human spirit is um, is tougher, and that we give it credit for. Like you, you can. You can fool us for a while, but there's this girl who's a really famous uh, pop artist, and I think she goes by just the initials H E R S. You know, it's either her or she. Okay. One of those things. And um, and she she is known for actually playing a guitar, which you know a lot of lead singer type pop people only kind of pick up a guitar for show. You know. Right. Um, she actually plays it. Like she, I'm, li I'm looking at her. I'm listening to her tone. I'm looking at all the gear she's using. I'm like, wow, she's, she's actually playing this guitar and doing so. Like, wow, she's man. This is this is part of her music, and it's a big part. And that's a departure from everything else. And I was listening to her. Uh, I like to figure out like, well, why? And so I, I was reading um, one of her interviews, and she said that she got interested in guitar because she started playing. Um, Guitar Hero and I was like ah so she started with the video game and then she never would have heard those classic rock songs because there's a ton of classic rock and these right. guitar games there's Metallica there's all kinds of stuff you know that maybe today's kids would never want to stop their Spotify on and so I have to say not even today's kids we used to have like years ago when Guitar Hero first came out yeah we used to have a night over at my brother's house uh -huh. where we would create, you know, a, a character for uh -huh. that week, uh -huh. and we'd name them something, or, or a band, or whatever. I remember one of them was the Mink Diaper. <laughs> that was that was our that. Uh, our band that week, was the Mink Diaper. And we would then collectively take turns 
playing Guitar Hero, so if we got stuck on a level, we'd all kind of rotate through, or if you beat the level, you pass on to the next person. And there are songs now that the only reason I know those songs is because of Guitar Hero. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is a Guitar Hero song. Uh-huh. And I can like sing along, I can like I know the song, and it's only because of gu- Guitar Hero. And she's definitely not the first person I've heard that got into buying a real guitar because of Guitar Hero. Yep. Like they, they there's been several people that have, have picked up a guitar because and then there's I think there's one or two bands out there now that have retrofitted their guitar hero guitar to play and that's what they play in their band. That's awesome. Is a guitar hero <laughs> guitar. That's awesome because that, and I'm hearing different things too. Like I'm hearing um, new artists and come with a live band. And when I'm listening to the tones, I'm like, wow, this band is out of the sixties or the seventies with the soft, the softer stuff and the more analog sounding stuff and the less hi-fi, less digital, less overproduced, you know, and they're, they're, they're going in a different direction. And that's what I'm, I'm really happy. I'm, I'm glad that there is a pendulum that swings both ways. You know, because I've been, I was born in, the, in 1980, and so I grew up through 80s music, not my favorite. Like, I, I don't I don't look back to my childhood. I might have a few songs that were popular um, that, I, that I liked. I was really lucky that I was raised by a much older person, and she had a love of jazz and classical music, and so that got me started, I hope, in the right, in the right direction. Um, gosh, I just lost my train of thought. Where was I going with that? <laughs> but anyways... I'm just happy that I get to also the 80s and then the 90s. Um, oh yeah, the 80s. I was trying to think too. I'm like, where was he going? Because I, I was so enthralled with what you were saying. I was following your train of thought. I forgot that you yeah. you derailed off the the rails. I derailed off my rails. So the 80s was uh, it was just a time that I didn't really connect with music that was popular, and so that made me feel like an outsider. You know, everyone else likes this music and that music, and I'm like, I don't like this music. It may, it doesn't make sense to me. And then um, I liked more hard music, you know, when grunge came out, and Alternative Grunge, and Nirvana, and Pearl Jam. 90s. 90s. I could say that I did like those guys, but I wasn't, like, fanboy over them. You know, there are people that just, like, that is all, they live and breathe those bands, and I'm like, I live in Seattle. I was, I was there when those guys were just coming out, and I saw people that were just in love with them, but I just, I don't know, never connected with it. And so, um... But then now that I'm older, I can look back and learn about all that music. Like in the 80s, they were just coming out of the 60s and 70s where they had a lot of analog stuff, but they they just figured out how to put together synthesizers, these big things, and they could make all these crazy noises. And then they had keyboards that could then make other noises. And so they decided that this was the future of music. This is where we should go. You know, computers are going to do music. We won't even need humans anymore. And so I was living through that and, you know, all that angry. And the thing that uh, strikes me about uh, the 90s music and the early 2000s is the the sensitive but tough guy stuff. You know, the guys that were tough, they would wear, like, spikes and have chains from their wallets. Like Blink-182. Like Blink-182. But they would also have, and they would have, like, angry haircuts, but then also wear, like, eyeliner yeah. And, and their songs yeah. would be about how sad they were. Yeah. You know, I'm so sad I want to smash something. Well, well what's what's the guy that, that uh, committed suicide? What band oh. was he from? Um, yeah, he was in... Uh... Oh, come on. I know. It's right there. It is, isn't it? And it'll come to me, too, because I was just talking about this guy. Oh, gosh. 
I just have to look them up. Because, because it's super, super popular music. Chris Cornell. Jeez. What? Chris Cornell. From? Um, yeah, I'll just look it up. <laughs> See, that's the thing. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't really keen to that music. So even his, like, and I'll, look, I'll listen back on a few of his songs. Um, and they're amazing. Like I'm, I so, so I, I may have in high school, I might have been a little different than you. I, I went to a lot of parties. Yeah. Uh, not because I was some popular kid, but mainly because like I realized you could go to the parties if you threw them. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and so uh, his music, I cannot believe. All I can think of right now is Nickelback, and that's not Nickelback. Um, that was like the. Ah, right, here we go. He was in uh, Soundgarden and Audio Slave. Nope, that's not who I'm thinking of. So not Chris Cornell. Huh? So not Chris Cornell. So no. the other guy that killed himself uh, uh, from Nirvana. Nope. Okay. There's another one, but it's from this particular style of music where gotcha. they were they were punk, but pop, but depresso. Uh, oh my goodness! There's somebody listening right now that is really frustrated. Yeah. Um. But it was like some of the most late 90s, early 2000s, most popular music. And then when he killed himself just a few years ago, it had a resurgence because he, he committed suicide and everybody was listening to his music again. Um, and, and there was a direct correlation between how sad and full of feelings his music was uh-huh. and, and the direction that his mind went. But that, that's similar to Nirvana, right? Nirvana right. was also very similar to that, and, and he and Kurt Cobain, um, right? Uh, he ended up committing suicide. Yep. My wife would be so upset with me right now. Was it Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park? Lincoln Park. My goodness, Lincoln Park. That that was like Blink One Eighty Two, Lincoln Park, all of those kind of very yeah same time frame, same type of music. Cookie Cutter. Cookie this Cutter. Is what, this is what Lincoln Park might have been like the first to open that up. And then, like, the rest maybe came around. I'm not sure the order of that. Yeah, um, me neither. They all stole it from somebody, I'm sure. Yeah, they, 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 and then they're like, oh, this is what's popular now. Let's make seven bands that all sound very, very similar. Yep. Um, anyway, we, we are pulling into Happer, so we should probably wrap up this podcast. Let's this wrap it up. Episode. I mean, sorry to end on um, lead singers um, who killed themselves. But, you know, life... We just need to face those realities sometimes in life. Know that they're out there. And they're not just singing that they're sad, yet tough guys. Some of them are just really sad, too. So that right. makes me feel bad, you know. Right. Uh, um, this has been fun, though. I hope this is, I hope some of this has been listenable. I hope we can um, continue maybe doing more of these if this works out. We can uh, get that hunting trip set right. up. Right, maybe so. it becomes our, our thing. Yeah. Two guys in a car. There we go. Talking about what they see. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've seen enough today. So, uh, yeah. Welcome to Haver, everyone. I've been Brian. I've been Joe. We'll see, see you next show. show.